You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. All right, guys, welcome back to another Land and Legacy podcast. Matt is here. I'm here, and the grackle, if you can hear it in the, the background, in the backyard is uh, ripping it. I don't know if they heard that, but right about the time you hit record, I, I heard that thing singing off. So. Well, it's weird. We're not going to find a possum today because it's bright and sunny. We're actually not They'll recording. Say that because just late just in the evening. What a few days ago, I was gone, and my daughter, my wife, calls me and goes, "Maya, you want to tell Daddy what you saw?" And she goes, "I saw a possum." I was like, "Really?" Middle of the day, and she goes, "Yeah, in the yard." I was like. Nikki, is she for real? And she goes, yeah, it was right out in the middle of the daylight. I was like, Interesting. don't get around that thing. Well, maybe he'll make an appearance, podcast appearance. But you know who else is making a podcast appearance today? Mr. Nate Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> How about a way to inter- introduce? Yeah, I mean, you went from possum to Nate. <laughs> Welcome hey, to the podcast. good company. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thanks, man. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Good to talk to you guys. Yeah, man, it's it's kind of long overdue um, to have you on the podcast. Nate Robinson is with Winchester Ammunition, and um, we've t- been talking about wild turkeys now for gosh, it's probably been six or seven weeks, I would believe. Yeah, um, talking yep. about wild turkey research, talking about management, habitat management, how how we can make um, you know 
improve the properties that we're managing or overseeing. And now we're getting into the actual hunting and sharing the stories of successful hunts, whether they're from Virginia, Kansas, Missouri. And um, it's only fitting to have gentlemen from Winchester Ammunition on because, one, you're a turkey hunter yourself. And, two, we want to talk in detail a lot about uh, Longbeard <coughs> XR rounds, which are a... Well, all, all all the rounds, but well, yes. Longbeard XR is our favorite, but we'll cover all that. So, Nate, how long have you been with Winchester? Kind of give us a little bit of your history of how you kind of, your role there, but then also kind of how you got into a position at Winchester. Um, what's your What's your experiences? Yeah, I've got kind of a fun background. Hopefully it's entertaining to people, and if nothing else, might be a good example of if they're interested in getting into the industry, how they should plan and think through things. Um, so from a young age, I was obsessed with hunting and I didn't even grow up in a hunting household. I just kind of came by it naturally. And, um, as soon as I could drive, bought a bow and I started public land deer hunting and then I started chasing pheasants on foot without a dog. And so I grounded out for a few years, learning the ropes and, uh, consuming a ton of outdoor content mm-hmm. and every TV show I could watch every magazine I could flip through at the dentist office. I was enthralled and trying to soak up all the knowledge I could. And then as I got into high school and I was trying to make decisions on what kind of career I was going to have, um, I wanted to be an outdoor writer and thought my goal in life was going to be to live in a cabin in the wilderness and author and illustrate books and then hormones started hitting and i figured out that i wanted to get married and have a wife and (laughs) didn't know that i'd be able to con my wife into uh, moving into the wilderness with me so i kind of changed career paths a little bit and instead decided the way to do it was to get really wealthy and be a doctor and then have free time and money to travel the world and hunt (laughs) and so that's what i went to school to do okay Uh, kind of a backwards way of getting to hunt um, and the opposite of my first plan, which I should have just stuck with the first plan because pre-med kicked my tail and um, <laughs> chemistry specifically. Um, and so I had a little come to Jesus moment my sophomore year of college and uh, started to struggle with like, okay, what's plan B at this point? And at that time I was watching a lot of hunting shows and I kept seeing these representatives from hunting and shooting and gun companies on TV and figured that's what I'll do. I'll get a job for one of these companies and let them send me around to go hunting. And it seems so idyllic uh, when you're ignorant and don't know what that really looks like because you think somebody like Michael Waddell just walked in one day and started to have fun and hunt all over the world but uh there's a lot of steps between starting a career and getting to that point and most people don't ever get to that point and so i've kind of had my path uh been very blessed that from sophomore year of college when i dedicated myself to getting into the outdoor industry everything just kind of fell into place and um i've taken some detours along the way um started off with purina a dog food company and um got involved from the sporting dog side there and i've done four or five different jobs now for winchester um okay. but today um 
I'm 11 years in with Winchester and I'm a marketing manager and handle our media relations, uh, shooting promotions, conservation, event marketing, and retail marketing. Fantastic. So what was the end degree that you got from your, your time at college? Uh, say that again? The, the degree you got from college. What was oh, that? Okay. Yeah, I got a business degree with a okay. marketing emphasis, and I got a studio art minor. Gotcha. Okay. See, I learned something new. I didn't know that you were kind of uh, artistic and, and had that ability. You said you earlier thought about uh, writing and doing artwork and stuff for, for right. magazines. Didn't know that about you. Yeah. And it's funny because I did that really as a way to escape from the insanity of pre-med chemistry early on. And I would just take like an art class a semester as my therapy (laughs) just to have a creative outlet and do something fun. And um, then it turned into a case where I was like, oh, I'll take a few more classes and I'll actually have a minor. And that has been invaluable in my role because I'm laying out um, banners and advertising and a lot of visual components for our events and having that understanding of design and a creative eye um, has been really helpful. Cool. Which actually, while we're talking about it, I think that's a good example too of like everybody's got unique gifts or talents or interests and a lot of people listening are going to have vastly different ones than you or I have, but there's a place in the outdoor industry for everybody, Mm -hmm. whether that's, turning a wrench on a machine or assembling rifles or sitting in an office and doing accounting or HR. Um, It's a whole world within the industry. It's not just people on TV hunting. And if you are good at something, there's a way to get involved in that thing in the industry and have it connected to your pastime and your passion and have that blend of uh, your your personal interest and your work. And I think a lot of people forget about those normal jobs that are within the industry that um, they really ought to be looking at. Yeah, no, I think it's a great point. Yeah, totally. for sure. I think, you know, we have a similar, uh, we had a similar dream when we were young. I was like, I'm going to film and I'm going to do the same thing that I saw with Michael Waddell. It's like, I'm going to film for a while and then eventually I'm going to get paid to travel around and hunt these places. <laughs> and you know what's funny is that wasn't, but, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe uh, a little less, a little, little less than that. And here I am now. And it's like, the last thing I want to do is travel all over the country <laughs> hunting. I really just want to hunt my own farm, sleep in my own bed yep. and be done with it. <laughs> yep. It's amazing how things change over time. <laughs> yes, it that is. is the, that is the truth. Yeah. That is the truth. So what's it, the, sp- it's good when you can get the best of both worlds though, which I think, uh, we both can attest to getting a taste of both. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100% on that because there are days where – or seasons where it's like, you know, I haven't had the best timing in the world, but I would love to go out west soon uh, and chase elk in the fall, early fall, um, just because it's a little hard to do that on my own farm. Um, yeah. <laughs> you don't have them wandering onto your place yet? Not in the yet. Ozarks? Nope. Peck Ranch in Missouri is a little far from me to catch that yeah, wandering elk. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a good little hike. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adam, you were getting ready to, to ask him a question. Yeah. I, I was going to ask. I'm sorry, I took a drink right there. But um, 
I was going to ask you, what's a t- what's the spring look like for Winchester right now? Like, what are some of your big campaigns or what a lot of your marketing right now? What's your guys' focus? I'm guessing you're probably coming out of turkey season a little bit, but what's it look like at Winchester right now? Yeah, I mean, you can imagine we are seasonal because whatever is interesting to consumers is kind of what we're focused on, but ours leads the season. So we started shipping turkey products last year and started um, trying to put together content for the spring months before turkey season started, and now it's just kind of execution time. So Mm. um, those things are being put through social media and put up on the website and um, we're starting to move on honestly to more of the uh, spring and summer shooting sports. So that's a huge part of our business is recreational and competitive shooting. And so we've got ATA and NSCA. um, Those are shooting organizations for different sports that are really heating up and people traveling to events and, um, before long we'll be into fall again once we get into like august it's full steam into the fall hunting season Mm. trying to hit those windows wherever all consumers are are uh, getting excited and thinking about gearing up for those time frames so you guys are a little bit ahead of the curves and usually like you said a year out um you're planning and, and getting marketing materials content put together yeah we on a new product are exactly that we're at least a year out on creating the marketing because we have to get it out in the field with our pro staff and media so they can try out products the spring or fall before we launch so that there's content out there and that the, the product is proven and uh, people can see it on their favorite hunting shows or wherever um, prior to their first season being able to shoot it sure sure I think it's hard sometimes when you have to keep a secret like that because we'll have a really cool new product and there's confidentiality agreements involved and uh, there's a few people we share it with but it's got to be kept kind of close to the chest until we announce it publicly sure i remember back years ago when when longbeard working on another show where longbeard was coming and there was the spring before it was launched and so i remember we had a bunch of marked unmarked unstamped shells um yep. of Longbeard and we're testing them out and then I think we I had I think we brought them down to you in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not shady. <laughs> and, and uh I remember like cutting and you guys showing us the the Longbeard XR technology and it was like this is some of the weirdest stuff I've ever I've ever seen but I'm not an ammo guy like I've never poured my own or made my own um loaded my own shells. Um and so it was like this is you know I don't know how weird this is, but this certainly seems new to me. Um, and and I, I want to talk about that on this podcast is the technology behind Longbeard XR. Yeah, that's a really good example of a success story for Winchester and for ammunition. One of our tenants is innovation, and mm-hmm. it drives decisions we make every day and investments we make with staffing and research. And we lead in innovation, and that's something that has been really important for decades for us. And um, Longbeard is one of those like amazing innovations where who would have ever thought something that looks like rock candy poured into a shot cup would make such a big difference with pattern density. Yeah. And uh, I guess maybe I should just jump in and kind of explain what it is and why it's unique so people know totally. what we're talking about. Totally, yeah. So if you think about any 
shotgun shell and pellets you're trying to play with different factors or levers to keep your patterns tighter so that pellets aren't wandering off and spreading the pattern because the more you have on target the harder it's going to hit the more effective it's going to be now traditional lead loads are very soft and that causes some problems because there's so much setback force when mm-hmm. you pull the trigger on a turkey load or um, a game load that a lot of the pellets end up deforming, especially that bottom third in the shot column will turn into little footballs and pancakes and they don't fly very well and they spin off and they make your pattern spread out and uh, you lose that density. And so for many years, people have played with different things, trying to prevent some of that deformation. And there's two main ways you can do that. You can make the shot more rigid and hard so that it's less likely to, likely to deform. And we add other metals in like antimony to make the shot harder. Mm-hmm. Um, the other way you can do it is by adding buffering. And usually that's uh, like a cob meal ground corn cobs it's real fine and powdery that they pour in or grex buffering which is like a plastic material i had no idea been, i yeah. had no idea corn was included in shotgun shells i had no idea yeah that's like a, a more older technology usually okay. people are using grex nowadays um but it's still not perfect it fills <laughs> some of the voids and it lessens the deformation but there's still going to be some little gaps in there so our engineers try to think through how can we make it even better how can we ensure that every little nook and cranny is filled so there's nowhere for those pellets to deform and they we talked about rock candy that honestly was one thing that they experimented with was liquid rock candy and pouring it in and hardening and uh, they did a great job of trying out tons of different materials to get that perfect thing that was liquid when it was poured in and then it would harden around the shot but when you pull the trigger that setback force causes it to fracture and turn into uh, a fine dust so that the pellets stay round and they don't have chunks of uh, material stuck to them because that'd be just as bad as flattening if you had little chunks of hard candy stuck to your pellet it's not going to fly straight either so then played with that for a long time and got the magic right and we call it shot lock resin and that locks all your shot together into a solid slug like material if you take it open or cut open a shot shell it's going to look like one solid slug but that fractures into dust when you pull the trigger and just perfectly fills those voids and keeps the shot perfectly round and it sounds kind of hokey and i thought it was when i first heard about it an amazing improvement wow that is a that is uh i'm sure that was quite the process to to go through all that and test all those and i'm sure if there are any if those engineers or anything like me is like uh oh um you know what i don't think there is a magical uh liquid to put in this uh let's just give it up and scratch it up as a loss now we've got some pretty good scientists over there playing with materials all the time and figuring out uh, little tricks to improve things and you'd think, I mean, Winchester's been around for more than 150 years and somehow today we still, every year, seem to come up with some cool new improvement for ammunition. Yeah. And uh, you'd think that at some point you'd hit a, a wall where you can't make it any better but um, 
it consistently keeps happening. Longbeard's a good example of that. And we have products like Blindside for waterfowl that is unique and new and different. And um, just every year we had 350 Legend a couple of years ago, 68 Western this year. Right. Even cool... Deer Season XP a few mm-hmm. years ago yeah. was a, Absolutely. a great ammo. And now you guys tweaked it. Have uh, offer a copper line of yep. the deer season XP. But we'll talk about that this fall. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Absolutely. With the Longbeard XR, I think, uh, I mean, I, looking back, I don't know what year it came out, but it, it feels like it was like 2013, somewhere yeah. in there. Uh, yeah, when it somewhere came out. And I have, I honestly haven't used a single other shell since then. No. Um, I carried the old Winchester extended range when I was hunting a, uh, an area in Kansas public land where you had to use non-lead shot. And I think that's mm-hmm. the only time I've ever not carried Longbeard XR from the original testing before it was even out going, oh, my goodness, this is a game changer. Now I still use it. And yep. um, I think one of the big things that I tell people is the price point. So talk to me a little bit about the price point and then maybe comparison to some of the other really popular ammos out there right now. Yeah, so we have a full suite of products, and that's you know part of being the largest ammo maker in the world is that we try to provide offerings for everybody. Um, we may have our personal favorites, but there's unique situations and different motivations for everybody, and so we aren't shy and saying, you know what, if that's important to you to have this feature or benefit or price point, we'll offer the best thing at that price and uh, deliver uh, options for people. So that starts with Super X, which has been around 100 years this year. This is our 100-year anniversary for that brand, and we're excited to be promoting that. Um, That's the tried-and-true old-school game load, and you can get that for pheasants and quail and turkeys and all kinds of stuff. And then a step up from there is our double X brand. And that's when we started experimenting with buffering and um, copper plating shot and finding ways to improve that pattern density. And that's definitely a step up from traditional lead. But you see a huge jump when you go up to Longbeard XR and effectively double your range with a shotgun. And so for a little bit of a price increase, I mean, you're talking difference of $15 a box up to $20, $25 a box. Uh, you get a lot more range and a lot more uh, lethality out of it, which I think is well worth it when you consider the room for error that that provides. And yeah. I tell people all the time, we don't recommend really far shots, but there are times where you may underestimate or think that the bird is closer shooting one on a field edge or something and you think it's only at 50 yards and once you start pacing out there realize that it was at 60 70 plus and you have confidence with a product like Longbeard that even if you forgot your rangefinder and didn't quite judge the distance right it's still going to be effective sure you know <clears throat> beyond the the amount of pellets that are on target down range Comparing the like the say the double X to the um, Longbeard XRs, is there yeah. is there amount uh, or or is it is it just the number of pellets that make that such an increase in lethality or is no, there that's a good question is there more energy is there like w- what other components separate those two rounds those two options? 
Yeah, so there actually is greater penetration. You don't see it at the short distances as much, but once you get past like 50 yards, then you see a difference in the amount of penetration, and that's because it's so round and smooth and more aerodynamic that okay. it carries that energy further downrange and still at a higher velocity and can penetrate deeper. That makes sense. Okay, gotcha. So when you're looking at fours fives and sixes because those are that's obviously the shot size what's the difference that you guys have seen let's say penetration um within the longbeard xr suite of four fives and sixes and and from your personal opinion do you think it's more important to have number of pellets downrange in a 10 inch circle or have a bigger knockdown power, let's say if the fours penetrate better than the sixes, what do you think is more important there? So there's not a wrong answer there. That's why we make all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, It really comes down to personal preference. You do have more energy further out with a four than you do a six because it's larger and it just carries that momentum longer. So, it's so much of a trade-off like everything with ammo um it's nice to have that energy but if your pattern starts to get too spread out then the energy is not going to matter and so i generally err on more pellets Mm -hmm. and more impacts because you get plenty of penetration out to pretty long distances so i'm not worried so much about whether it's going to uh, break that spine or penetrate the skull. All of them should do it at most distances. It's really when you get to the extreme edge where you would see a difference between the fours and sixes. Um, so personally, I, I'd go with sixes or fives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of nice to have one in the middle because then you can feel like you're getting a little bit of both. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that's I think the cool thing about turkeys is luckily – the most vulnerable part of a turkey, that's what you're aiming for. It's it's yep. like the fleshiest part. It's the skin. And, you know, you've got so much um, important things in there, the spine, jugular, brain, everything. So when you're hitting that with that amount of force, it's going to have uh, quite the knockdown power and lethality. So what like do you carry, Nate? If you're shooting, let's just say, you know, a typical shotgun for you and you're you're trying to shoot your birds 50 yards and in. What shot shell are you carrying? I like three-inch sixes. Mm-hmm. But, again, I, I would grab any of them off the shelf and feel confident in it. The big thing that you need to keep in mind is just patterning it for your gun because yeah. you're going to see variation from gun to gun and what the pattern looks like. And one thing that surprised me is to see how big of a difference choke can make, too. And so really? it definitely That was pays. my next question. Yep. So if you're wanting to get the most out of your gun, you really should try several different chokes and experiment. And every gun is different, but in general, a tighter choke is better with uh, most turkey loads. And if you get like a 660 or 665, 670 constriction somewhere in there, we've seen that do really well with Longbeard. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, the patterns are so effective that – it really comes down to more of a, a decision of do I want to shoot a bird that far, not can I shoot a bird that far. Right. Right. So you, that, go, that was my question because, um, you know, we, we've got 
Matt and I, we both have Winchester SX, SX4s this year. My brother asked me, he goes, what kind of choke are you going to go get a, and he named off some of the popular chokes, and I said, I, I'm paraphrasing, but I basically said something like, I'm shooting Longbeard. I mean, I really, I mean, I'm going to shoot a tight choke, but I don't know if I'm going to find much of a difference between this brand, that brand, that brand. I feel like pre-Longbeard, I had to get real technical on going, okay, this choke tube fits, works the best for Winchester Supremes up to 50 yards. I felt like I was a lot more technical, and I feel like with Longbeard XR, it's almost erased some of that for me. It's, it's like, like, a, it's like I'm good tr- to 50, and that's all that matters. It's like a trump card. Yeah, yeah. it's just like yeah. it kind of overwhelms all the other choke tubes or the different Even types the because field. it's just like I'm only shooting them to 50. Now, if I was trying to shoot them to 70, it might matter to me, but – Going to 50, I, even like you said, Matt, like the full choke works pretty doggone good. <laughs> yeah, now I've I got mean, a super full turkey choke, but like I wouldn't, I don't know, I haven't shot my shotgun, but based on what Longbeard does, if it was just a full choke, I'd still p- feel pretty confident. Well, and I Yeah, think- and that's what is so great about it, I think, is that like if I, I'm at a store and somebody asks me what should I buy, you can hand them Longbeard and have full confidence that they're going to have good patterns out to pretty decent distances and not have to even question what choke tube do they have, what gun do they have, because it's going to give them a significant advantage over a regular load. And anybody can grab a gun and a box of long beard and feel good about, um, you know, inside 40 or 50 yards that it's going to work effectively, even if they haven't got an expensive aftermarket tube. That's really for the, gear junkies and people who want to push it to the extreme limits and enjoy that part of the process too but it's definitely not required there you go yeah i think that's great a great point and and, you know i think we've been pretty now it's like clear on the way our style of turkey hunting through these podcasts and years in the past is you know we really like to have those those if you will, personal uh, encounters with turkeys that calling in, we're setting decoys at 20, 30 yards away from us, hopefully harvesting a bird within the decoys and calling them to that situation. So we're not Absolutely. trying to to shoot birds just to shoot them. We're, we're trying yeah. to have that interaction. That's what really gets us excited uh, to be able to chase turkeys. Um, and so for us, really that, that 30 yard range, I don't want something that's, too constrictive i want something that's going to have a nice well-balanced pattern that's going to obviously be able to do the job most would at at 30 but i again if if a bird does commit and come to 15 i don't want to be so nervous that i that i just whiff completely on the bird because i have my gun just maxed out for a 70 yard shot when i don't really even want to take a 70 yard shot. I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position because then I'm, I'm shorting myself of the overall Turkey experience. So it's this, you want to get that show and have them dancing around the decoys and get the full experience out of it. it You did hit on something though, that I think is a little bit of a, a misconception with long beard or some of the other products that have that longer range capability is that it's too tight at close range. And I can see where that comes from because they think, well, it must be super, super tight at 10 yards in order to get it that tight at 70 yards. Mm -hmm. But in reality, it's not that different 
at close range as it, uh, a traditional lead load would be, they're all going to be very tight at that kind of close range. It's the mid range where they start to separate. Sure. So if you have a super X or a long beard and you shoot something at five or 10 yards on a, a pattern board, you're going to see that they're not dramatically different. You may have more flyers, mm-hmm. um, but those are so irregular that you can't really plan on those as part of your pattern. Sure. Um, for, something like an effective turkey kill anyway. So you really just need to know where good your point. gun hits. And that's why it's good to practice at five or 10 yards too, because it may not be where you think it is. And you want to have that knowledge in your head so that you hold on the right spot of the bird. Yeah, without a doubt. No, that that's that's great information. That makes sense. I was just thinking of that hunt with Chad. I bet he, he did not practice that shot. No. Before season. <laughs> Most people don't practice a prone shot with a turkey gun anyhow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Especially three and a half inch at three yards. Yeah. Let me lay and down a, prone an up, and upward. jam this into my yeah. <laughs> jam this into my shoulder. <laughs> upward trajectory too. We're we're referencing a YouTube video that just dropped about a week ago. Um a really cool hunt last year that Chainsaw Chad had and um you just kind of have to go and watch it to to see what we're talking about because it's pretty unreal. But there was a gobbler harvested at three yards unintentionally. Um, I, we we just shared that story to try not to get them too close, and it was just you'll 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 understand when you watch the video. But uh, wow, yeah, stuff happens. Yeah, that was a cool hunt. I did see that and enjoyed it. How in the world does a turkey sneak up on you though when you're out in a big open green field? Wildest thing. Well, here's here's the thing. We're we're on <laughs> you got this ninja turkeys down. <laughs> right, right. We're on this we're on this terrace and we couldn't like rise up above it because we had hens just down below us, so we had to like stay tucked away. And there's just enough of a rise that they walked from let's say a hundred and fifty yards out, disappeared, and then the next time we see them, they're at like eight yards and here's the tail fan coming over top of this terrace and it's like oh man so if we were going to see them approach we would have exposed ourselves let's say but yeah that one that one goes down the memory books for sure no kidding that was cool uh talking of memory books it looks like you guys have had a successful spring so far this year we have yes we have it's been it's been several birds down yeah very that was neat to see uh adam that bird you got with your dad the other day yeah i appreciate that that was a fun hunt that was kind of one of those i guess flash hunts you'd say we started out on one side of the farm and heard one bird way off it was like well this is kind of pitiful and i said dad let's go up to the north side or kind of head towards the north side of the farm see what happens and as we walked um we got just out of the field into some more woods um actually in a group of woods we call limb hanger holler because we've harvested a lot of birds there over the past and heard birds gobble. Like, let's sit down. It's kind of where we're going to sit. We stuck the decoy in the ground. We hopped back 20 yards, sat down. I let out a call as I'm trying to get adjusted, and the birds came in, and Dad shot. And my dad is like a kid when it comes to birds in close range. Like, gets completely shook. You can hear him breathing heavy. He's just just can't hardly control his emotions, and it's always fun to see a man almost almost 70 years old he's gonna hate me for saying that that. yeah for a man in his upper 60s (laughs) don't 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 throw that that seven number (laughs) to react like that and so uh it was a good time and we we, you know lord has blessed matt and i and chad with this even the last few turkey seasons where it's just been magical for us we've had a lot of birds we've been on birds 
and we've been able to celebrate a lot of a lot of successful mornings together just just fun hunts together and uh and that that's what we we are all just super excited about uh being able to chase turkeys like it's just a it's, i would say it's a passion we love habitat management but it's kind of nice to take a little bit of a break sometimes and chase some turkeys together so it's been yeah. good well i was supposed to get to join you matt on a turkey hunt yeah. recently and yeah. COVID had other plans that's the got second the spring in a row that COVID's kind of messed up my turkey hunting so let's hope that uh, next year's back to normal yes now we will have to link up next year make that a priority get that on the calendar because yeah that's that's definitely a bummer to have two years in a row of a travel trip and planned and then just get axed especially when you I mean we were I was actually already in Kansas when you called yep. me, and it's like, dude, I can't go. Oh no! Yep. <laughs> so close too. If it if I just gotten sick like a day or two earlier, I probably yeah. would have been fine. But they advise you to follow those quarantines. <laughs> yeah. So, man, that was tempting to find a way to get there still. But <laughs> I'm glad you still were able to hunt and get a bird, and yep. hopefully next year we can catch back up and. That's right. Sure, turkey camp together. We can we can certainly do that. You know, one other thing regarding Longbeard and everything. Com- yeah. Let's let, let's let's compare it to some of the other more uh, let's say um, newer loads that everyone is very excited about. TSS. Can you kind of compare and contrast like what the differences between a Longbeard? And then what those loads can do, and, and sure. how and how they're constructed. So TSS is tungsten super shot, and that is a type of shot. So nobody owns that name. You'll see it on multiple different brands. Um, it, there's at least four different people I think offering TSS shot now, and. Tungsten is a material that is super dense and super hard. And so we were talking earlier about using buffering or antimony or copper plating or something to try to resist deformation. Uh, Tungsten's so hard that it doesn't deform. So you don't have to worry about buffering like you would with a softer lead. Um, and it also, because it's so dense, you can use a smaller pellet to get similar energy as mm. a, a larger pellet. So. Um, it's got a lot going for it, and it's very effective. What's interesting is we used to offer a tungsten load. It wasn't exactly the same mix of metals, but it was similar. And uh, I think, Adam, you said you used to use that at one point before Longbeard. And it was very effective. We had fanatics across the country that loved it. And then once we introduced Longbeard, the timing was perfect because the price of tungsten shot up and started to get cost prohibitive where people weren't interested in paying that much for a turkey load. And we could come to them and say, Hey, here's an alternative that is a third or a quarter of the price and gets almost the same performance. And it actually outperformed um, our earlier version. Today's tungsten loads, you may get a slight advantage over Longbeard. It's a great product. Um, but you pay for it, and mm-hmm. that's the downside: is that uh, you're, you know, six eight bucks a shot, as opposed to two fifty a shot or so for Longbeard, and uh, you know, just a, a marginal difference in patterns. So there's, 
options out there for everybody. Again, we're not going to say one's right or wrong. Um, people are welcome to make their own decisions. But uh, if you're okay with uh, the performance out of Longbeard, which I don't know why somebody wouldn't be with uh, the kind of performance I've seen out of it, then maybe not need to spend the extra money. Yeah. on something like GSS. So I, I don't know of anyone who's been really disappointed in a in a long beard pattern. Um, yep. it's, I, I guess here here's a question for you. So when we're looking at if, if pattern, you know, density and everything is roughly the same, we talked about the the shot per uh, you know, number of shot in a 10-inch circle. What does lead do let's say in an animal penetration and just overall damage than as a softer metal than TSS does. I would imagine TSS has more penetration, but it doesn't lose its shape or size deformity, let's say, because of how strong it is. But is there an advantage yeah. to lead so kind of with bullets impact? there's a huge difference on different densities and hardnesses of bullets with the pellets it's not as big as you probably would think okay um the setback forces in the gun cause a lot of deformation but you don't see a lot of it on the animal um it may flatten a little bit and cause a little bit more trauma and um help kill the bird a little quicker but it's just a trade-off of um like you said you do get a little bit more penetration out of tss so they're both super effective and i wouldn't hesitate to uh use either on a turkey because they're gonna do the job and do it really really well and we're the beneficiaries of that technology today where prior generations had a lot simpler equipment and now we've got stuff that really better than you need and so it's neat position to be in as a consumer and as a hunter to have that confidence in your patterns and the effectiveness of it and i think that's that's exactly what it comes down to and i think kind of wraps this conversation up you know really really well from a standpoint of adam we were talking pre-show of you know we kind of we find something that we like with that we that works really well and we're, we're confident with it so that's why we choose to use it and Longbeard has certainly been one of those things i, I shot it as soon as it came out you're shooting it just before it did so that's whatever seven eight years worth of worth of turkey seasons utilizing the load never let me down um oh. and then it's like yeah he, here's this wonderful patterning um turkey load that that i have i don't know however many harvests i can just lean back and say if if i'm gonna pull the trigger and the bird's within 50 very comfortably um and i've got it on it that's a dead bird yeah i'll be very very you say that um by the way, you say that. What? Coming one week removed from missing one. Oh, that was all on me. 100% oh, man, all on me. I'm glad you brought it up so I didn't have to. <laughs> I mean, 100% I was, was going to say, for me, I better <coughs> knock on wood here because I can think of, and I could, somebody could, I have a very right, good let's, memory. Let's hear it. I have a very good memory um, from the standpoint of I forget the things that I need to forget about. Um, and. <laughs> And and it's almost accidental. But I can think of one bird in the last five years that I missed, and I ended up killing the bird. Uh, he came up to the side of a little hill, and I kind of had to lean out real quick and shoot at him. And I missed him or kind of hit him a little bit, and he started running a few steps, and I shot him and mowed him down then. 
I can't think. There's of another just a, twenty gauge one. Oh, the twenty gauge one. Yeah, that <laughs> that 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 right right there. That was before Longbeard XR in twenty gauge, and I shot with another ammo, and uh, I was using double X at that point, and hadn't had. Um, really? Yeah, I was shooting Longbeards. You day. you might have been, but I I didn't have it in that gun, or I don't remember patterning it in that gun. Maybe I was trying to use the old Mossberg that I killed my first bird in. That was a true miss. Mossberg. I was shooting a Mossberg shotgun. Well, it's good to know you're not okay. perfect. I'm not we perfect. We all uh, can pull a shot from time to time or hold a little bit too high on the turkey's yep. head. That's yep. Part of fun, and not, it's not a guarantee. I will. It's I not will, a guarantee. When I missed that bird a couple of days ago, I was not holding low enough on it, and I just sailed that shot right over top of his head. And he just walked off. It's like, whoa, whoa, it's a high wind situation. I think he was just more confused. Sure. Oh, the turkey the was. Turkey. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, no, that was that was hundred percent all on me. I told Nate. I tell you. I tell you a st- side note story on that one. When Matt sent the text to me uh, in the group text between him, Chad, and myself, I, I immediately. I've been saving this one for a while. I'm like, whenever he uses that 12 gauge, if he misses one, I'm going to pull this one out. And he sent the text, and I said. Yeah, I don't know what happened, but I'm going to assume you were flinching trying to get ready for that big 12-gauge to go off, been carrying <laughs> that 20-gauge for so long. <laughs> you know, well, I guess that just goes to show how confident I am in long beards. I'm shooting 20-gauge. Yeah, for sure. I have, have been for several years now. Um, but that was the second bird I shot out with the 12-gauge. The first one, you have the footage of, and you saw what happened. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? No. Okay. Well, enjoy. All right. Enjoy. There's a happy hunter at the end. That's Spoiler right. alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some of the new things on the horizon? If you can't, I think I've seen a few social media posts about some of the stuff that's coming out, if you can talk about it, uh, or some of the things you guys are rolling with. Or maybe the. It social sounded media. like you were about to say, "What are some of the new things on the horizon that you can't talk about?" <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Uh, yeah, funny. we've always got those. But uh, yeah, for 2021, we've got a lot of cool new stuff. Um, for big game, we've got six eight western, and this is like the ideal all around big game cartridge. Um, we put western in the name because it's capable for the most challenging adventure hunt for big game. Think, you know. Colorado elk hunt up in the mountains, shooting cross canyons. Um, it's a real long, heavyweight projectile that bucks the wind really good, is super accurate, and just performs incredibly without as much recoil as some of the real big magnums. So it's kind of this compromise. We talked with turkey loads, everything's a compromise. If you want more energy, you got more powder or more bullet weight and more recoil. Um, this is in that sweet spot in the middle where it's fully capable to shoot elk and moose in any big game, but it's a short action. So it's a lighter gun, quicker to cycle. Um, don't have to worry about the bolt throw hitting you in the face. If you are tight on the gun, um, yet it's still, uber capable and uh, we're really excited about that one we got to hunt a bunch with it last year i think we've already killed at least six or seven different species of big game with that just uh in the testing with media and pro staff last year that's cool so that's a big deal um then we've got a new personal defense round that's really cool called usa ready defense 
and uh, we're just about to release a brand new product. This is something that hasn't really been introduced yet, USA Valor Series. And this is to celebrate our commitment to the American warfighter. Uh, for people that don't know, we are far and away the leading supplier of ammunition to the U.S. military. Um, 98 plus percent of the military's ammo comes from Winchester, and we are wow. super proud of that. And uh, we've got some special packaging and some military-inspired items that are being available in bulk packs for folks to take to the range. And uh, those will be coming out here in the next month or so. That's the nice. USA Valor series. That's very cool. And and we've got a new 410 load we didn't even talk about for turkeys. Oh, that, that's, that's right. what I was yeah. asking about. Yeah, so I guess let's talk about that real quick. That's called Double X Diamond Grade. And so the story there is we introduced this incredible new target load last year called Diamond Grade. And it's got the highest amount of antimony ever in a shot cell or at least a mass-produced one, and any that I've ever heard of. That's 8% antimony, and it's also got uh, plating so that it's just super hard and uh, resists deformation, and you can get another 10 or 20 yards out of a 410 pattern to make it more lethal for turkey hunting. Mm, very cool. Very, very cool. So what do you think the range, the effective range on a 410 with that shot will be? 30 yards is what we recommend. So in certain conditions, you may be able to stretch it a little bit further. With the stock full choke that I was trying it out on, 30 yards was uh, where I felt comfortable. And you still, at that distance, get two and a half inches of penetration. So it's pretty cool to be able to shoot that far with a little 410. And um, I think the popularity of that has really grown in recent years for young shooters or people that are recoil sensitive. So we're excited to offer that as another option for people. Wow. That's sweet. That's sweet. Um, Adam's sitting over here pointing at me, thinking <laughs> that I'm the, the recoil, recoil sensitive. sensitive. I pointed oh, at Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to live it down now. I guess not. That's uh, all right. I, I, I still happily carry that 20 gauge. <laughs> I love shooting that thing. Um. That's super cool. I I know that's going to be popular. Yeah, you sent me a couple of pictures of of the penetration test and then the pattern. Um, yeah, I mean that was like whoa, that pattern is dense. Like yeah, really impressive with that fourteen. Yeah, and that's load. what we were planning on hunting with. I hate that uh, we didn't get to use it. Yeah. It just sat at my house while I was recuperating, and <laughs> you had to pull out the twelve gauge. How close were those turkeys you guys killed? Um, Chad's was twenty five, and mine was like fifteen. Mm. So wheelhouse, <laughs> that's right. Perfect for that fourteen yeah. test. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, next year we'll test look them out. Next year, I that's guess. right. That's right. Well, man, anything else? Uh, you know, Winchester's that that you can speak on or or bring to the podcast here today before we wrap up. I think just at a high level, I'd encourage everybody to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're constantly pumping out cool content and. Uh, that's a good way to keep up with us as we announce new products or um, put out neat content. If you want to follow along on a hunt that we're doing or see how our pro staff does at a shooting event, um, it's going to be an exciting summer and there's going to be a lot going on out there. So just look for Winchester ammo or Winchester ammunition. And you can uh, also learn more at winchester.com. Fantastic, sir. We appreciate well, your time. I have to do this again in a couple months and talk deer because I love talking about uh, bullet selection for deer hunting. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, and that, that's that's honestly not my expertise. So over the course of the last couple of years, obviously we've yielded to you um, through email and text conversations about all of that. And so yeah, we'll definitely have to have you back on and talk those specifics when it comes to yeah. deer hunting rounds. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to deer hunting already, and we're not even out of turkey season yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was walking around uh, my property this weekend, actually, thinking, hmm, I wonder if I should try to get my beans in a little bit earlier this year. So my mind doesn't stray for very long from whitetails. Right. So cool. So cool. You Have you got any other uh, trips planned that you know kind of that early uh late August, September, October timeframe that you know you're going to be on any hunts? Yeah, I've got, I've got quite a few hunts coming up this fall. Um, doing a bear hunt. Um, I think that's in September. Got an elk hunt in October. I'll be hunting deer at home whenever I'm here for archery season. And then, uh, I think I've got another deer hunt in November. So I'll be keeping pretty busy. I'm dying to know if there's going to be any big deer around at my property this year, because the one really big one that I was after last year got harvested by a neighbor. And so I don't really know if there's something else in his place that uh, I can get excited about or not, but uh, usually something shows up. So cool. I've got got my fingers crossed. I've got one question uh, for you. So you probably saw the news. Missouri uh, has is going to have a bear season this fall. Did you see that? Yeah, I think I heard about that on a podcast I was listening to. That's pretty cool. They've so, been creeping across the border. Yep, and now we have so our unit zone or our zone zone one will have twenty tags, and so basically, if Matt draws a tag, or myself, or my brother, or my dad draws a tag. Um, we're, we've got one bear that was all over the, our farm, uh, from October and early November, um, really? pretty regularly, I mean, big bear too. Very regular. So Ch- what's Chad the, saw it. Yeah, that's right. Chad saw it and, he uh, saw it in September, I believe. Yeah. So what is the ammo of choice? Do you guys make something exclusively for bear? We don't, but honestly, I would say use the same thing you're using for deer hunting. Oh, I mean, you've got the 308 deer season copper, um, they are they can be tough if you get a great big one and you're shooting them through the shoulder but their vitals are kind of similar to deer where um it's they're kind of soft and squishy as long as you avoid that shoulder and the great thing about the bullet you guys are using is that being solid copper it doesn't fall apart it's gonna hold together really tight so even if you do shoot a monster through the shoulder you're gonna get plenty of penetration um but if you get behind the shoulder that deer season hollow point opens really rapidly and dumps a lot of energy so Hmm. i'd say that's ideal the other one that's really good for bear hunting is expedition big game long range that's a bonded bullet that Mm -hmm. uh is tougher construction and penetrates really well but I wouldn't change a thing if, if you got your deer season copper impact set up. That's perfect. There you go. Done. Well, hopefully we can draw a tag. Yeah, good luck. It's pretty cool that you have that opportunity now. Yeah. Well, man, we thank you for coming on. And uh, like you said, check out Winchester on uh, social media platforms. Follow along on all the things you guys are doing. And uh, I got a good feeling that tomorrow between you and Chad, me and Seth, and Trace, that someone – 
is going to be pulling the trigger on a long beard XR round tomorrow, put some turkeys down. We've got two days of great weather, and we're excited to get back out. Not to rub that in your face, Nate. Not at all. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I, I can celebrate in your success, too. Okay, good deal. Good deal. Well, we appreciate it, man. You take care. Yeah, you too. Take care.